Next is Terry Koshan, friend of the show, been on many times, covers the Toronto Maple Leafs, and we can ask him the hard-hitting questions. He never gets worried. Let's bring Terry on. What's going on, Terry? How are you? Not too bad. Good. So, we're having the Leafs preview show tonight, obviously, getting everybody's opinion on the team, and I want to ask you a few questions uh, right out the gate here about Travis Dermott. Um, There's the thing here where Sheldon Keith may be trying to teach uh, Travis Dermott maybe a little, not a lesson, but hold mm-hmm. his feet to the fire by saying, hey, you are the more veteran defenseman. You should have outshone Timothy Lilligren mm-hmm. and Rasmus Sandy, but this training camp, you didn't. So by all accounts, it looks like Timothy Lilligren's drawing in with Sandine on opening night. Is that Keith sending a message to Dermott to step his game up? Well, I suppose he sent one the other night. Listen, anything Keith is saying to us, like he did the other uh, the other day, uh, Saturday. No, sorry, I can't remember if it was after the morning skate or, or uh, the game itself. It might have been after the morning skate. It's just saying exactly that. Um, kind of would keep waiting for him to make that next step. Well, he, he as he said, he talked to uh, Dermot about that. I don't know if it's sending a message more than just this is who the, the six best defensemen have been through camp. And if you're number seven to start, you're number seven to start. Uh, they, they, part of it too is they love what Lilligren has done, right? And yep. they, like, they really like the steps that he's made. So there's there's a couple of things that go into it. But uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, uh, they would have liked to have seen Dermot take another step by now. They haven't seen that, and um, they're not going to wait for him. Not when you have a guy like Lilligren ready to step in, and if he's not playing every night, uh, to certainly take some of those minutes uh, uh, that Dermot other, otherwise might have had. So. I don't know if it's a message, um, but, I, but I think Dermot knows no matter what happens Wednesday, Thursday, um, he's got to be better. Has to be. Am I right to say that Lilligren was, got his uh, his shine, so to speak, by doing less instead of more? Kind of refining well, his game and not making those mistakes that cost him so many times? Usually the case of defensemen, right? Especially young ones. What do they always say if we don't notice you? You're doing uh, the right things. Probably, yeah. So, yeah. And I think Lilligren just, you know, and, and he, and you guys remember early in camp, what did he say? This is, I'm going to my fifth year. I've got to make something happen here. Paraphrasing yep. along that. So good for him for uh, backing that up. But he, um, yeah, a simple game. I mean, he's a smart hockey player. The key, of course, of this team is when you have the puck on your stick and your defenseman, you, uh, you get rid of it quickly. You make the smart play quickly. It's something Sandine acknowledged earlier that he's still uh, dealing with and, and trying to get better at, but, Again, they're young, and um, yeah, I, w- I would say for sure that that was the case. I mean, Lilligren is not flash and dash. He's not Morgan Riley getting up the ice and getting back like Morgan can. Not that many people are, um, but he had a good camp by not by not forcing it. And that's yep. what you want when you're on D. To not only not force it, but to recognize that they don't have to force it. I think that's a big key here, and uh, I think Lilligren, for his part, is, uh, is um, becoming more aware of that now, and that's why he's in the position he's in now. What was that step they wanted Dermot to take? Because I've been seeing, I've been reading, I've been hearing yeah. that that yeah they they keep saying yeah we wanted Dermot to take that step, but nobody has well, said what that step was. Do we have any well, idea what they needed him to do? Yeah, Keith, Keith did mention it, Josh. The consistency, be better in all, okay. be consistent in all areas. Don't yeah. give us something good one game or give us a good luck to give us the confidence that maybe you can play in the playoffs for us and then take a step back at some point. Because the, the the everyday defensemen don't really do that. Yeah, you can allow the, the odd mistake and everything because that's going to happen. But uh, they just weren't seeing that enough out of, out of uh, Dermot. And he's at an age now where he really should be. I mean, we all like to say that the D, for the most part, take longer. I guess not if you're Adam Fox, but uh, most of them do. 
And, uh, you know, uh, it's that consistency factor. And, you know, it's interesting because you'd like to think Dermot would have come along a little bit quicker now in that area because of the people that they do have um, up front. I mean, we know we know the depth and talent of the Leafs forwards. You get the puck on their stick and and uh, a lot can happen that way. But they're just not seeing that out of him. And, uh, you know, I don't know at this point where they go from here. Um, but maybe, as you referred to, Jamie, it'll be a bit of an, um, a wake-up call for him. And we'll see yeah. where it goes. But uh, certainly I, I wouldn't, over the next 48 hours, um, 72 hours, you know, they're playing in, in Ottawa the next night on, on Thursday. Uh, it can't be an overly comfortable time for Dermot right now. And there should well, be. I'm, I'm wondering if this is a case of internal competition where for the first 10 games we see maybe Lilligren play six, Dermot play four, yeah. and then they make a decision after that. Um, is that something I, I, we could see? Yeah, I, I would think so, Josh. You're not writing anybody off at this point by any stretch yeah. of imagination. And I, and I thought maybe if you talk, we were talking to this about a week ago, I would maybe at that point I said, okay, Lilligren's played well enough to now get that opportunity to be the guy coming in and spelling off, going against Ottawa, then, you know, which of those two played the best? And they go back in against, um, you know, Ottawa Saturday night at home. And you yeah. go from there to the Rangers right next week on the Monday. And then, of course, at the end of the next week, you have another back-to-back. So, but a week ago, I would have thought that, right? That's, that's uh, you know, maybe that's the way you go. But um, here we are now. And, uh, you know, Lilligren has earned this opportunity. And they're, they're, the good thing is not a, they're not, there's not a bit of trepidation of putting him in from the coach's side. They're, they're fully confident that we can do this for them. Yeah. So I want to ask the question. We just talked to Dave McCarthy about the uh, the Leafs in last season. I remember speaking with you, and you were telling us about how the Leafs had that fire in their belly after losing, and it was a different taste, a different response mm-hmm. that they had last season at the end of it. It wasn't, oh, we'll get them next year. It was They were pissed. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's saying there's like a lack of a hangover now, and in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the Amazon doc coming out now and everybody seeing you know the behind-the-scenes thing, yeah. I want to know, does this team feel last season the same way you felt it when it ended – and does the Amazon doc create another distraction around this this squad, or is it they don't even think about it? It's not even there. No, it's not a distraction because it happened uh, last year. If it was if it was live, quote unquote, or, or a weekly thing, right now, I mean, yeah, but it, I, I think they've forgotten about it. And to be honest with you guys, the, the timing of it is probably just more of a little bit of a nuisance for them than anything else because we obviously yeah. were asking them about it, and uh, we did do that, and. Uh, you know, it kind of came and went. Uh, you know, we all in the media we got advanced copies of it a week before. We all watched over that weekend. I think a lot of our questions came on the Monday. Then October first came four or five days later. The rest of the world saw it, and that was that. Um, but I, I think what happened at the end of it. I think the scene in the dressing room after Game Seven was real. I think that uh, you know there was the shot of, of Matthews and Marner sitting at their stalls long after everything was done in in the equipment. Um, I've been told by several people around the organization that's not the way things have ended in past years, uh, certainly of that disappointment. And and why would it? Because the expectations within that room were much higher last spring than they had been in a lot of the previous years, no matter what the players say. So I think it lingers in a good way because now, you, you know, one of, the, one of the talking points Dubas likes to have is learning from the past and things that hurt you and getting past those hurdles and all this sort of thing. Well, listen, it's October here. It's early. We're waiting for the first game of the regular season. But I believe this is the first time that they really did carry that pain with them uh, through the summer. And uh, we'll we'll see how it goes going forward. thing is, I don't know how you, you judge on 82 games. Yeah. You know, 82 yeah. games? I don't know. As I said, the proof will come next next spring. But I, I think that uh, 
I think it's legitimate when we hear the talk about them remembering it. But as for the documentary itself, it's done and over with. Did you enjoy the documentary? Uh, yeah, I did. It was fine. I, I would have liked to have seen more. I know I got left in the cutting yeah. room before. There was no doubt about that. But, um, you know, for me, for me, the some of the, uh, the fascinating things are, are even immediate. We don't get to see the behind the scenes. The the trade call yeah. with uh, Gene Kekalian and, and, and Dubas, the Felino trade call, I thought was great. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, the whole discussion, a lot, well, any discussion basically that Dubas and Keith had, to me, were yeah. quite revealing. And I know you, you know, you see the Jimmy VC thing and, and you realize that those conversations happen all the time or they're close to all the time, but we're not privy to them, right? And yeah. I, I just thought that, that 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 stuff was interesting. And, uh, you know, the whole Freddie situation, you know, the underlying thing to me was, okay, if, if we knew now what we knew then or knew in July, you knew darn well they weren't resigning Freddie Anderson because there was just a little bit of frustration there. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if we necessarily saw it all in, in the in the documentary itself, but it was pretty clear that wasn't going to happen. But I, I, I just like the, the peel back and those types of things always leave you wanting more. I understand that. But, you know, and it was supposed to be a longer series too, right? Originally, I think they were going to go eight episodes, but when you lose in the first round of the playoffs unexpectedly, you don't have the material that you would have liked to have had in going eight episodes. But no, I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it, I thought it was I thought it was fine. Don't know that the Leafs are going to do it again, though. I would be. Uh, well, they said no to a season two. Yeah, they said no. Even though everybody thought I'm not sure of the truth on that. To be quite honest, I don't know mm-hmm. if there was an offer coming from the other way for another season or not. That's just what I've been reading to understand. But we'll have to have a, we'll have to have Jeff Bezos on and ask him. <laughs> yeah, if we get Jeff Bezos on. We're doing something right. But I, I want to ask you: This squad, we go go forward for this season. We, we want to get yeah. hyped up. It's a least preview show for you. What are you looking forward for this squad? I mean, is it going to be the improvement on the penalty kill, which it looks mm-hmm. like they're going to be able to do, being more aggressive? Is it yep. going to be the power play setup that looks actually spectacular? And mm-hmm. you know, with guys actually having a little bit of buy in here in the the preseason. I know we won't see a. Austin Matthews for the first week, but we will see John Tavares there. Nick Ritchie playing in that one spot where uh, Tavares usually would be. But I'm wondering for you, it, those special teams taking a step and the new players being mixed in, how do you feel about the season? How do you feel about the special teams, which were a crux last year? We were 24th on the penalty kill. The power play, we all know the drought that we went on as a team, yep. and it was it was hard to watch. Do you think they're able to correct those things and propel themselves further up the standings and get better uh, better results? Well, listen, everyone always says the preseason doesn't mean anything. That 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 works only so far. The power I'll just go to the power play for a second. Uh, we we've seen what it's doing. We've seen what Mitch Marner we, we know what Marner Skateball. I was one of the smartest yep. players in the game. You give him that role now in the power play where he can freelance a bit and get things going. That like as if I don't think Marner needed any regular season confidence, he's gonna get it. Morgan Riley was saying the other day that he expects that sort of thing to bleed into the regular season. Whether you're scoring every time the unit goes out, and we know that you know Matthews is going to be part of it for the first week here. Whether you're scoring or not, you're like you said, James. You're 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 looking good doing it. There's a lot of fluidity there, and you're getting confidence from that. The PK, the same sort of thing. I mean, Dean Schnuth has come in and said, okay, we're going to be this much more aggressive to the point that. Now we have the confidence that a guy like William Nylander, who also is a very smart hockey player, could come in and do a lot of the things that Mitch Marner has done in the power, or sorry, in the PK. Uh, yep. Just using that brain and, and um, attacking the puck and uh, making good decisions with it. But overall, I mean, there, there are a lot of, I, I, I don't know that Leafs are better at this point. They're certainly a different club. I think when you subtract Zach Hyman, it's the, he was the best forward involved in the comings and goings with the Leafs this year. 
I think they're going to be better on the blue line. So I think Sandine's ready to take that next step. Um, but I, you know, I'm curious to see how Nick Ritchie handles the increased role. You're going to, you're looking at a guy who's going to play, I think he's played over 15 minutes once in his career in the NHL on average over season. Now he's going to be doing it against harder competition that he hasn't seen on a regular basis. And maybe that ramps up even more when Matthews comes back. So how does he adjust to that? Is Michael Bunting ready for that next step, having only played 26 games in National Hockey League? I think there's a lot of potential here. Um, you know, obviously the Kov Kasha, these guys clicked right away. They have the, the background together. So that's good to see. And, uh, you know, I'd argue that a, a fourth line of, uh, you know, um, Spezza, Amadio, and, and Simmons is pretty darn good. Uh, yep. you're, you're not looking at – and I got a Adam Brooks, I think, would have been good in there too. I think he'd finally earn that this year, and I'm curious to see how he does with the Canadians. But uh, you're not looking at the fourth line saying, okay, where's the experience uh, and this sort of thing. You have three veterans there. Uh, Mario's coming up on 180 games in the NHL. So um, there are a lot of – I think the way Keith put it the other, the other day was there's a lot of pieces that can fall into place here for them. Mm-hmm. Can they survive the, the Matthews injury? I think so. McKay have hurts. There's no doubts. I mean – it's an awful thing because, you know, Tabard was saying just the other night, McCabe's really coming out of a shell, you know, that sort of thing, and more of an influence in the room, getting starting conversations. You hope this doesn't set him back a bit. And, um, you know, I guess the only thing I haven't touched on is the goaltender and how this tandem works. But each I was going to ask you, yeah. Well, each guy, you get a back-to-back. It's a great it's, it's a great situation because you're not traveling yeah. far Wednesday night, and each guy gets to show his thing right away, and then you go from there. I think it's a good spot for the least to start for sure. Um, they have Mikheyev out for eight weeks with a broken thumb. Yeah. He must have really broken that thing. Because I've broken my thumb before and I was good in two weeks. Do you have any insight into how bad that thing's broken? Not Well, you saw the play, right? Yeah. Did you guys see the play? So when, when you walk, just, just the awkwardness that he fell and it looked like the hand was caught underneath him. I'm doing it here. Right. But you know what I mean? So. I don't know. When you hear eight weeks in surgery and a broken thumb, I'm like you, Josh. I broke my arm in hockey in grade nine. My wrist had a green stick fracture. I think I was back a month later. Yeah. So I know. I know it, it's uh, it's different for everybody and all this sort of thing. So there, you know, whether there's uh, other damage involved there, it sounds like there could be. If you're mm-hmm. undergoing surgery and you're on you're on the shelf for two month minimum, but uh, yeah, it, it's a tough one because you know it, it was funny too. Uh, someone had asked Keith that morning about the Ovechkin injury and how you just kind of you know, peek between your fingers and hope you get through the preseason, not hurt. And the Leafs are looking good until this happens. So, but they're confident in the depth and uh, they do have some good players. Uh, Semyonov got sent down today. I think it's going to be a good option for them if it comes to that. Uh, you know, Brett Sini had a good, had a good camp. Joey Anderson, I thought was fine. Um, Curtis Gabriel is going to be an option for them. So you hope you don't run into too many injuries, but um, you know, once Tavares gets back with Bunting and Nylander on that, We'll see. We'll, we'll see how that goes, right? But, you know, it, it is tough, though. They're going to miss McCabe. I think he's playing with some purpose in camp for sure. Well, I want to ask oh, you this last question before we wrap with you tonight and before Josh yeah. gets attacked by something. Yeah, no, um, this room is falling apart. <laughs> um, I want to know for you, do you see the Leafs taking the uh, the first place here in the Atlantic? I've been asking everybody all night long. I uh, look at Boston, say their goaltending might be a thing. Well, where it's Allmark and not Rask. I uh, look at Tampa, the Stanley Cup hangover after two years could really be real. Um, yeah. For you, I'm wondering, can the Leafs secure that top spot? Or it's been brought up uh, by Dave that, hey, maybe Florida takes that step. 
I, I, I think it's Tampa Bay's until someone takes it from them. And I don't know that that happens this year. Have they lost players? Yes. Do they have depth? Yes. Do they still have the best goalie in the game, arguably one of the best defensemen in the game among the best forwards in the game? They do. And you know what? There might be a bit of a hangover, but uh, if they don't win the division, that might not matter once the playoff starts. I expect Tampa to be be there and be loud about it, and and possibly win a third in a row. I don't. I certainly don't think that's out of the question. Um, but the Leafs are in for a challenge. They sound like they're ready for it. We would ask them about returning to the Atlantic and the competition that's going to bring. You mentioned Florida, Jamie. I know McCarthy had mentioned them too, and uh, they're they're you know they've made a lot of improvements. Um, Boston, again, you're looking at them going, okay, well, how do they get from point A to point B without a lot of some of these players now? And there's just that veteran core there that they have that I don't think you can count out. Um, are the Ottawa Senators going to be a team that could surprise some people? I don't know that, to be honest. I, I, I Listen, again, we're going back to preseason, saw them a few times. I wasn't overly impressed with them, and I know that DJ Smith was looking at a few things, different things, but I would have expected more out of them. Uh, but uh, we'll still, and of course, you know, not having Kachuk is a big factor. But uh, I don't, I don't know if the Leafs will win the division. Are they going to be in the running for it? I think they will. But again, I just, I just like Tampa, and, and um, I don't see them taking a big enough step back that you count them out of that number one spot right now at this point. Well, we're going to look forward to the Maple Leafs kicking things off on Wednesday night. Look forward to your coverage all season long. And, of course, getting you back on for some analysis about what's happened with this squad. Terry, I want to thank you for joining the Leafs preview show for Offside, buddy. And uh, best of luck Wednesday night and Tuesday night and every night this season for 82 games. The long slag is back. Yeah, it's great. I'm looking forward to it. Fans are going to be back, and it's, uh, it's nice to have some normalcy. So thanks for having me, guys. Talk to you soon.